everyone. My name is Rusty Pepper, and I am the host of the Why Marketing Podcast. On our show this week, I sit down and chat with Matt Pressure, the CMO of Forcepoint, about what he calls the sea of sameness and why it's so important for brands to differentiate themselves in order to really stand out and win. So, Matt, welcome to the show. Very nice to meet you, Rusty. Likewise. Appreciate you being on. Now, you're here in Austin, Texas, right? Yeah, I just moved to Austin, Texas. I'm getting used to the 97 degrees with a little humidity, but it's a great, great town. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah, I agree. It's a, it's a great place to live. So congrats on making the move down here and, and welcome. Uh, so now, Matt, let's talk about your career journey and what all you were doing before you made the move down here uh, to take the CMO role at Forcepoint. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've been exceptionally fortunate in my career that I started off working for two of what are probably today still Fortune 20 companies. So I spent my first five years after graduate school at Emory with United Parcel Service in the international marketing group in the 90s when UPS was truly expanding globally. And then I spent almost 15 years at IBM. And why do I start there? It was just it gave me a foundational knowledge and expertise in marketing and in sales and in business acumen and the ability to manage that I am not sure I could have, there are many different paths, but it was fantastic. And then the last five years or so, I was a CMO a few times over. I was the CMO for Windstream, the CMO for HCL, one of the fastest growing service providers in the world. I spent a little bit of time with, with CA and at the beginning of this year, I decided to join this unbelievable, you know, company by the name of Force Point 700 million, still privately held. And we are in the middle of cybersecurity, a fascinating space. And I have end-to-end marketing and communications responsibilities. And it's been a fantastic six months already. I really love your background. It's, uh, it's an impressive background and what a great foundation that you have. So, for those that may not be too familiar with Forcepoint and what all they provide in their area of cybersecurity, can you elaborate on a little bit for us? You know, cybersecurity in itself is a super interesting space. If you think about this, just about a trillion dollars uh, has been spent on cybersecurity in the last probably seven to 10 years, and 95% of all companies are or have been breached. So. The industry in itself, if you wanted to have a case study, has not you know, delivered on the premise of what I think we all desire to. And our basic belief in Forcepoint is that the two key tenants in cybersecurity are data and users. So it will not be enough moving forward to continue to invest in point products, whether it's a firewall, whether it's certain other, you know, um, anything around malware or, or other elements. But the biggest uh, vector of, of analysis is a human being. And if you look at most of the stats today, you know, 90 to 95% of all breaches are usually some form of somebody is taking your identity and then very often they start doing really not so good things. You know, what we aspire to do is be a a very responsible company that really values the privacy of everybody. But at the same time, we, through behavioral analytics and really working in the technology space, in the, in the cyberspace, 
to ensure that we, what we like to say is we free the good and we stop the bad, right? Freeing the good means, you know, you don't want to have policies that basically shut down an entire division or an entire group because there's something that looks, you know, awkward and you don't want to unnecessarily inhibit the productivity of your employees. But at the same time, you do want to make sure that if somebody is really ill-intended and is trying to either steal or take your data or intellectual property, that the proper you know, procedures are, are in place. So that's at the core of who we are and what we aspire to do. And I think it's resonating pretty well in the marketplace, actually. What was the big challenge for you to come over to Forcepoint and, and tackle this cybersecurity industry? For me, the challenge is usually also kind of the, the fun part of something, right? It's a company that's growing fast, but it's, you know, it's no longer a startup by any means. But at the same time, we are in a super hyper-competitive marketplace with very established players on the one hand, and then some very strong, you know, not only very small, great startups, but also sizable companies in the two, 300 million range that are all aggressively pursuing this marketplace. So for me personally, just a great opportunity to take some of the things I've learned along the way and now apply it to, you know, a, again, I like to say I've spent almost 20 years in, in IT and information technology, but I am not a 20 year cyber or security expert. So I am rapidly trying to learn all the nuances of cybersecurity on the one hand, and at the same time, help position Forcepoint as a, a market disruptor, a, a force that can really make a, a difference. You know, cybersecurity in itself has a, a huge impact on organizations, on individuals. And that really actually aspired me to join a company. And it's been, it's been so far really a fantastic, uh, not only choice, but also working here at First Point. What's probably the biggest surprise that you had that you didn't expect? Like when you first got there, that you were like, oh, wow, I didn't know we did this. Yeah, I think, I think there's a couple things, right? One is, you know, when you look at the industry, and kind of having looked from the outside in, I am not sure that I appreciated how I wouldn't. Yeah, I'm almost crowded. You and 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 what's and what I mean by that is you have on the one hand the established players, big you know companies, the Semantics, the McAfee's of the world, and then you have you know very credible competitors, whether they're the Zscalers of the world, the Palo Altos, you know. CrowdStrike, a few other companies who are very strongly pursuing SaaS plays. And then you have a really interesting kind of startup community. And what it lends itself to is a, a crowded space. And then, of course, you also have the, now the, you know, the AWSs, the Microsofts of the world, who all are embedding you know, security into their respective products. And that lends itself to just a super dynamic but very nuanced marketplace and drawing a little bit from my experience you have to have a pretty clear view as to who you are what your strengths are where you can compete what truly your value proposition is and i'm not sure when i first started working when i first was thinking about cybersecurity that i had an appreciation to the level of pace and complexity to it and then from a force point perspective look it's been actually a really fun experience a great corporate culture good people a very strong management team, and and I, for one, I'm just uh, pleased that I, you know, made this decision and not only made a geographic change, but also, you know, opted to work for a company that see, feels like the right size 
and fits very much kind of with my personality as well. So I'm, I'm really pleased that, uh, that I'm here. Definitely have a lot to be excited about. And at the same time, though, you're entering into the cybersecurity industry with Forcepoint, uh, which is really a pretty crowded space with a lot of different providers and competitors out there. So how is your team at Forcepoint planning to differentiate your products uh, in order to really scale and grow that business? You know, there is a little bit this, what I call the sea of sameness, right? I mean, if you go to most web pages and you go to most different players I mentioned, a lot of it sounds like, looks like very similar, right? And we've made some concerted effort. I've, you know, I'll give you maybe one or two examples. I mean, we, we just launched a cyber experience center in Boston, uh, which I would submit to you given feedback from our customers, from our executive advisory board, is truly state of the art, right? You have a, an, an immersive interactive experience where we explain what the, the cyber landscape looks like and you know, followed by a number of things. We're also redoing you know, a lot of things in a digital space and to ensure that, no pun intended, right? Cyber, digital, but you know, the reality of today is most prospects or customers, they're gonna do research on an industry, they're gonna do research on your company on their own terms whenever they choose to, right? And then whether that's a Google search, whether that's going to your web page, whether that's reaching out to their respective networks or to an analyst community. And I think when you think of that as just general, not even buying behavior, but how we interact as, as human beings today, the role of marketing becomes really important because that's how you ultimately can make your mark, right? When somebody interacts with Forcepoint, hopefully you're not only going to have a good experience, but you're going to have a differentiated one. And, and when you finally speak to a human being, you, you actually, you know, have already done a little bit uh, more than you may have been able to do with others. So that's kind of, you know, some of the thoughts I had on this. I love the sea of sameness. That's a pretty powerful uh, way to kind of summarize what you see across a lot of different industries, a lot of different yeah. ways that, you know, brands are trying to create that differentiation. Where do you think a lot of CMOs or, or brands go wrong? I think it's a super interesting question. So I'll, I'll just, you know, give you my personal opinion, but I'm sure there, there are others who have views on this as well. To me, the reason why, why it is so challenging is because actually the whole sea of sameness by itself and from a marketing perspective is multidimensional, right? So the first question is, your message and your value proposition. I mean, is it truly different? Is it really something that, you know, that, that, that makes you stand out? And the first question I would always ask is when I look at some materials, including, you know, any company I've worked for, are we applying the rigor required to say, are we different, right? The second one, which I'm a firm believer in, and this applies just as much to the B2B space as I, th I would suggest the B2C space, we have to still remind ourselves as marketeers that the core of marketing is the emotional connect with audiences. And it's very important that if you have a value proposition that resonates, that you also emotionally connect with your target audience. And make no mistake, just because somebody's a CIO or a CTO or a CISO, they're still human beings. They still want to feel like they're being communicated to in 
you know, in an emotional way. And then a third and possibly fourth part, I just think people are consuming information differently today than they did five years ago. What does that mean? We're seeing increasingly the importance of video. We're now starting to see companies who are coming up who are using voice for enablement, right? I happen to believe we're going to see virtual reality increasingly just like for product demos and so forth. So people have a different way of interacting. And therefore, again, if there is a fourth component, you have to be where people go. And that's increasingly in the digital space. So a simple one, two, three, four, is your message value proposition resonating? Are you connecting in an emotional, human, real way, right? And then three and four, are you using the mediums, video, voice, short form that people like to interact with? And then are you in the right places where people go? And if you, if you get that, and I like to always say, if you get that halfway right, your chances of standing out is much higher than if you just rely on one single format and so forth. So maybe a slightly long-winded response, but you can see I've spent a little bit of time thinking about it. So You're passionate about it. And that's, I think, oh, yes. what is unique about every single person's perspective. And I, I, I agree with everything you said. Uh, I, I just really like that, the, the phrase, see sameness. I was in New York this week meeting with the group that developed personal chatbots for organizations, customer service, sales, but more importantly, it's all AI driven. That's right. To me, I was just blown. I thought it was very fascinating to see kind of that, that process and the, the architecture behind how they're doing it because you can, you can leverage those to be able to basically get simple questions answered I think, as I think a sales rep. Exactly so, right. And, and I, again, I'm not knowing exactly who you met with, but I think the part there also, right, I would assume that there's a, a very clear strategy as to when is the chatbot used and for what type of inquiries, and when is the human being used, right? And so the, the beauty of, I think, where we're gonna go with AI is that therein lies actually the real secret. It's not an either or proposition, it's a how do you complement each other in the best way to achieve the best outcome for your prospects or customers. You nailed it, yeah, because the whole thing is, is if I'm a sales rep, I would have my own personal chatbot and you would literally just click on an icon. It launches the chatbot and you interact with it basically saying, can you check on order one, two, three, or I would like to start a project. What would you like to order? I would like this. And what's your budget? What's your, and then as a rep, I would receive that feedback. Oh, I can escalate to go ahead and now take that dialogue over. Cause I see there's. Something I mean, what you're, what you're referring to is, is exactly the what when I earlier mentioned, you know, the importance of voice, whether it was Siri or whether it's Alexa, right? Where now it's the chat boxes. We're starting to see that's exactly what I meant with voice, right? And as a marketeer, just as much as a salesperson, you need to be really cognizant of that because what it lends itself to is a different experience, right? So if you have a choice to, and just to use your example, whatever it is, let's say there's two different products. And one is you have to type everything in and the other one, you just basically say a quick command. You know what? Chances are in today's world that most people will probably go, even if the product that you finally end up using may be, you know, exactly the same, the actual experience of how you interact with that company is vastly different when you can 
shortcut or have a very, you know, almost like a dialogue with someone. So a great example, actually, of where I think marketing in general is going to go as well. What are you the most encouraged by for marketers? I think it's the most exciting time ever to be in marketing. There's, there's never been a more exciting time. Because of the way that people could actually engage in all the different ways that as a marketer, you can create those touch points? What's, what's happened is we have possibly crossed the chasm, what, what I would call the consumerization of technology. So don't forget that I think the first iPhone was launched in 06 or 07. I have two sons now, both about college age. But if I look at how they are using technology in their personal lives for just about anything, and I think that has now spilled over into the corporate space. And therefore, if you're in marketing, how we interact, the type of experiences we create, what the role of marketing is in the sales process is completely different from 10 or 15 years ago where we were living in a world of where we control a message and we send out a sequential campaign and we run a, you know, a mega, you know, advertising campaign. Yeah. Some of those things are still very, very valuable and will always be, but the core of how prospects, human beings interact is completely different. And what I also feel what's going to happen increasingly is, and I call it the product is the marketing. So think in the SaaS world or, you know, you, any, any, any product that you use, there is a demo, there is a vehicle that you can get access on a, on a web page. You just download something, you check it out, you like it or not. It takes 30 seconds, right? At the same time, while you're doing this, you're, you're actually texting someone and, and everything is different. As a marketeer, unbelievably interesting, also a little stressful because, the vehicles that everybody uses, you, you have to kind of master, right? You have to master marketing technology. You have to understand the digital space. You have to understand the analytics behind all of that to actually do some level of targeting. But what an unbelievable multidisciplinary, you know, function this has evolved into. And if this is something people like, look, there, there are many career paths you can take. I, for one, I'm, I'm like... You know, I, I, maybe I'm a CMO, but I also feel like I'm, I'm a student every day to make sure that I can stay halfway on top of what's actually happening. So again, maybe a little long-winded, but I'm like super passionate about this stuff. So, Is there a marketing automation platform that you really like? We, you know what? I, uh, the answer is yes and no. I, I, I think the, the, I personally have in my career have used multiple ones, you know, we've, we've now used, I've used Marketa, I've used Eloqua, I've used Unica many years ago. I, th I think the, the most important aspect is depending on the size of your company, right? If you're a smaller mid-sized company, you may not need a huge marketing automation platform. But I think, you know, if you have mid-sized larger companies, there's certain functionalities that you may, you know, be perfectly willing to deploy and fully integrate with, you know, your CRM system. Depends on, you know, what you are. I think the most important aspect of it is, is rather than which platform or product you use is, are you using marketing automation against buying profiles to have a dialogue on a buying journey that makes someone feel like you're actually trying to understand them 
and walk them through something that's not just here's a product buy. You know, that's that. That to me is the you know the fundamental question. If we can get to that, and hopefully you come up in a slightly different point than if you approach it otherwise. Well, that probably goes back to your first point, which is you know how do you differentiate? That's right. That's right. That's a great. But too often, I, I have to tell you, too often, and hopefully it's diminishing. Very often, you know, certain marketing automation platforms are not appropriately integrated with the CRM system of the respective company. And if and when that occurs, you, you really only have limited capabilities. It becomes a you know a glorified email engine. A That's very expensive piece of software that just sits there. Very expensive, you know. Exactly right. Exactly right. I love the the concepts with the CSAness. I think we we've got a good sense of that. Uh, before we wrap up the show, because we're getting kind of closer to the end of it, I've got five quick questions I want to ask you. Favorite day of the week? I like Mondays. Why is that? I like to start fast. Good. All right. What's your superpower? Ooh, what's my superpower? I have limitless positive energy. Mr. Energy. And positive. The glass is always half full. There's always a positive way to whatever issue may be in front of you. Favorite city? Ooh. I have to say, at this point, it's still New York City. Have you had barbecue in Austin? Ooh, I love pulled the, oh yeah, barbecue. That, that is going to sway me very quickly. It, it will be, it, in, if, you, if we do this again in six months, it will be, I don't know. Is Austin the best barbecue or is it, is it in other parts of Texas? I know there's a big fight going on who has the best barbecue in this part of the world, right? So, You and I will take a trip down to Lockhart. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> there's a handful of places down there that are excellent. Last question. Best piece of advice that you've received from somebody else? Oh, I'm going to give you two. One is your career is a marathon, not a sprint. And number two is words matter. Love that. Well, that is the speed round and that is the podcast. So welcome to Austin. Thank uh, you. Have you Thank used you, the word Russell. y'all yet? Y'all? That reminds me of my Atlanta days. I'll just tell you, you got to get back into it, you know? Exactly. It'll be there soon. Uh, now, I really appreciate you making some time out to be on our podcast and we look forward to keeping in touch and I hope you have a wonderful rest of your week. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you, Rusty. Really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.